Welcome to Shit I Get Bangs. I am your host, Julia Rossi, and today's guest is the magnificent Joe Firestone. She is a comedian, an actress, a writer. She's been on The Tonight Show. She's on Shrill. Um, she has a really cute, fun show on Adult Swim called Rate the Cookie and so many other cool things that she's done. And uh, yeah, we have a great chat. Hi, Joe. Hi, Julia. <laughs> That's how we start. Great. I love that. That is very natural and and it feels right. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. I I was doing intros while the person was on with me and then it felt bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I completely understand that. I think something about sitting through your own accomplishments makes you either think that like you've uh done like how could you do so much and and not just feel weird or like why does it feel like nothing i don't know it's always so weird the hearing your own i don't know anyone that's like my credits that's gonna get me zoom so i think you made a good choice there was a very long time where even though i had more legitimate credits people kept for comedy shows i so i in like the early 2000s i was basically an extra in a jimmy kimmel sketch <laughs> like a glorified extra like i i i it was mick foley the wrestler who uh-huh. was in the sketch with me and he like crazy squirted mustard on a hot dog and i like rolled my eyes and walked away <laughs> and for a very long time even though i had been doing like talking head shows on VH1 and stuff. People would be like, and from Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> like, you guys, no. It's, it really is. Uh, the, yeah, the credits are really, I, I think it's, we got to figure out a new, when comedy comes back, I think we got to figure out a new way to introduce people. Yeah. I just say, I love this gal. What That's, a great, what a I great think human. More because nobody really watch, like, who's watching the, Who's watching you? Whatever show you, I don't know. It's it's a real it's a real hit or miss. I would say. You've seen her on. Don't make assumptions. <laughs> Have you? <laughs> I remember I learned like pretty early on. Like at first, I when I went to comedy shows, I would like people would be like, "You." She performs all over the city, and I'd be like, "Wow, all over the city." <laughs> <laughs> and then I learned about a year later that that's what it, they say when you. They don't know what to say. And I was like, colleges all over the country. <laughs> <laughs> and it just was a real, a real uh, awakening. This is not what the pot, the pot is not. If it's the first time you're listening, the pot is not a, called credit talk, but <laughs> it could be. Uh, it is funny because having not done live performance in a while because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. man, so many things about it. I'm like, that's dumb. That's pretty stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but I do miss it. You do. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to say. Yeah, I don't know who I am anymore. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are somebody who I've always had such lovely conversations with. I think my most magical moment with you was when I was walking down the street listening to oh. Tar, it was Tara Brock, right? Uh-huh. Yes. I was listening to Tara. If you don't know who Tara Brock is, she is a meditation teacher and a psychologist. Psychologist, <laughs> and that's Joe's dog. Hey, it's okay. My dog's here too. Well, your dog's probably a lot, a lot better behaved. I believe. Absolutely not. Um, and I, 
I love Tara Brock. I like obsessively tell people to to listen to her and, and read her stuff. And I was walking down the street, listen, audio listening to her book. And then you were walking down the street reading? Yeah. Yeah. It was Sorry. really the same book. In, incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Also, like, I, I think that it was just like, it was that moment for me that I was so in love with her. Because I was like, this is, she's a, she's so insightful and so and i was just like so ready to talk about it Wait, what book was it it was uh it was the one radical that, acceptance yes and i was so excited about it because i was like this is going to change my life like you think all books like that will yeah. and so then the fact that you were listening to it i was like well it's i mean this i mean she seems to have her life together maybe oh <laughs> maybe it really does work isn't it funny how people seem to have there, I mean, I know. I'm going to give myself a little credit. My life is more together now than it's ever been. Mm, yeah. But what is together? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, you're keeping yourself, you know, safe and healthy. That's <laughs> all you can do. <laughs> Tara Brock, though, what I love about her, because I, I don't know if you're this way, but I definitely have fallen victim to, at times in my life, being a self-help addict. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. And and really getting caught up in it. And what I love about Tara Brock is that she's a she's a psychologist, and she's a, a meditation teacher, and she gives like very like speci- there's like science to what she's saying, mm-hmm. and there's science to the meditations that she's teaching. And I don't know, I just I I appreciate the because sometimes I'll like see a book and I'm like, oh, who's who, who wrote this? You know, and I'm a little judgy because I'm like, who do you think you are telling me to love myself? You know, and then I'll be like, their credits are literally just like talking about credits. They're, uh-huh. they're like, the, uh, Hannah Hurton is a self-proclaimed uh, <laughs> practitioner of self, except I don't know, whatever it is. And I'm just like, oh. Okay. Yeah, it's it was like that moment when I learned that like half of this improv team was life coaches, and that really shook me. <laughs> an improv team that you're on, and like that. I remember I met an improv team, and they were like, "I'm a life coach, and I'm also a life coach." And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" In what it, I app change your life. It's, it's really it like there's a lot of life coaches out there, and that I mean maybe it's easier to tell other people what to do than have your life running smooth. I don't, I, I don't have a problem with, cause I, I know a few life coaches and I don't have a problem. And like, I guess a lot of them go through, like they go through specific training. And I think if they're offering actual steps and tangible things, I, I I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. It's the sort of, I mean, don't even get me started on how the internet has made, you could just literally put anything in your bio. I could be like comedian slash self-help expert <laughs> And that's who I am. It's it's that that is something. I I wonder if it's like you could just say. Do you think you could just say you're a model, and then people will send you clothes? Do you think it, the internet that it's that bendable? Yeah, yes, but I think you have to have a certain amount of followers. Uh huh. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, if anyone wants to send me clothes, <laughs> I'll take them. I don't know that I can call myself a model. You might want to call yourself. 
<laughs> I'm a patriot <laughs> and uh, a Christian uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, and, a, and a mom. That's also my new personality. I'm that. a momfluencer. I love that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like every episode I've done about this has gone in the dirt. It's so hard to not talk about social media when talking about like self and I don't know all this. It's it it takes up a lot of my brain space. Yeah. Well, I have found that there's a magic spell that gets broken when you don't check it. Yes. Where if you, so I don't check it as much anymore. I check it maybe once every two days. Okay. Because it's off my phone, and then I don't think about it. And you're only on Instagram, right? Yeah. But I don't I don't really check it very often, and so I don't get a lot of engagements because I don't do much on it. And then it kind of fades away itself. It's like if you if you didn't feed a snake, the snake would die. Yeah. And you, yeah. You would say, oh, I killed my pet. <laughs> you know? I think what's been a little tricky with uh, – I don't want to talk too much about the pandemic because – we're all going through it, but like, you know, uh, the, my phone is my only social life right yeah. now. And it's the only place to perf- quote unquote perform. Yeah. And it's the only place to hang out. And I, when this is, when we are able to hold one another again, mm-hmm. I do have a feeling my phone will end up in the ocean. Really? You're well, done. No, that would be littering, but <laughs> it's not – I'm not done. I don't know. It's so. There's good days and bad days, I think, uh, in my experience. But for for what I've – what a new strategy is what I've uh, – my new strategy is to do um, e-books. So then I'm still getting the phone time because I think sometimes I just like to see, like, what's happening, like the bright screen – but I read suspense novels, and I'm reading this book about this gynecologist that kills his patients. <gasps> it's so scary, and I have to find out what happens. <laughs> I spend a lot of time reading that. But it's like kind of – ebooks are kind of fun because you get to like be on your phone, but then you also don't have to engage. Wow, I'm the opposite. I will only read – like I, I like just got some magazine subscriptions. Oh, really? Oh, you do not like reading on your phone? No, because I want. I think of I. Okay, so I think of my laptop as work. Okay. I think of my phone as a complete waste of time, <laughs> <laughs> and a research tool. Uh huh. Right to look up something, and uh, and then I think of books and magazines as like a separate makes me feel scholarly to like oh. fold the page and all that stuff. I'm a really slow reader too, so I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't work for me. But hey, it's like whatever works for you. Yeah. This honestly there's two the phone is so small, right? So there's two paragraphs per page. So you really think you're zooming through it. It's <laughs> awesome. I gotta say though, wait when I saw you reading the tarp were you reading the tarp Brock book or just holding it? I was reading no I was just holding it at the time. Okay, so I was like, I don't see you as a walking reader. No, I I can't do that. I'm I'm gonna step on something. I can't. I got to You know, you got to be sure not to step on a bird. That's yeah. very bad luck. So <laughs> you got to watch out for that. We'll be right back after a quick break. Well, you know, as as the show theme is, it's mm-hmm. you know about breakdowns and and whatnot, and uh. I was about to say, as somebody who's <laughs> had a 
lot of feelings. Uh, no, I know that you're a very sensitive human being uh-huh. as I, so I, I want to hear all about it. Okay. Okay. So this was one of my first, um, I guess one of my first public um, demonstrations of, <laughs> of emotion. <laughs> and so this was in high school. And so in high school, I had this group of friends and we were, oh, we were not cool. We would every weekend we would get together and play board games or watch a scary movie and and then dip our faces in water and then in a bowl of sprinkles and pretend to be sprinkle people. That sounds so fun. Okay. So what it was, I mean, we were definitely dweebs, you know? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> But it was the same people every weekend. We would it was like maybe six, five or six of us every weekend. And um we got really into the uh the so on friends, there's a game they play. And the game is it's the boys versus the girls, and that's how the boys get the girls' apartment. Do you remember this plot line? Oh yeah. Okay. I don't remember what the game is, but I do remember this plot. Well, as NBC is want to do, they they publish the game as a real game. Okay, that people could buy for their homes and for their friends to wager their apartments and you know leases. And so we bought it. We somebody bought it, and and we we got really into it. But basically, it's a competitive board game of who knows who best. Okay, and there's two teams, and it it rips people apart. It's it it's the worst thing to to you know to gamble with is how well you know somebody. It really makes people feel like shit, you know. And it mm-hmm. really and it was a competitive group of people, especially with games. And I noticed the more we played this game, the more we fought. But the game was called Friends, and it was. So it felt so frustrating to me that it was making people so competitive and nasty towards each other. And it was almost tearing us apart. Enemies. It should have been called enemies. It should have been called enemies. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so one day, one night we were playing it and um, we'd gotten into so many fights and I decided the right thing to do. It was, would to be to take my hand and bring it up from below the table, smack up the board game and throw it across the room. And I said, this is tearing us apart. <laughs> and and everybody stopped competing and looked at me like I'd I'd, I'd done I'd done something really crazy. And they were really, really disappointed with me and my behavior. <laughs> but I th- felt it was the only thing I could do to disrupt the madness. And then what happened? And then, you know, we all had to pick up the pieces and, um, you know, put it away. <laughs> and I think we probably just watched um, Conan after that or something. I don't know. But that, yeah. So is this something, like, is an outburst like that common for you? Because it doesn't seem. Well, I just don't like, I the guess I, I don't like when people are, um, I felt people were overreacting and making each other feel bad. And in turn, I overreacted. Um, and then they all said I was pretty crazy for doing that. But I, I guess I just didn't like that it was making people feel bad. But it was a game. And is that something that is carried into your adult life? Um, I, You know, I haven't encountered a situation like that where there's been a game that's... To- 
apart. <laughs> but I don't like I don't like competitive games at all. It really it makes me uh I I don't really understand having strategy to beat your friends. Did you play sports? No, I can't play sports. Because of the competition? No, I don't have any coordination between my hands and brain and arms yeah. and legs. <laughs> I get really nervous about competition. That's why whenever people would say like comedy is competitive. Oh, I hate it. It's that's the that's the worst part of this business for me. I think it brings out such a weird, ugly, toxic part of people. Yeah. So you knew at a very young age you hated competition. Yeah. I just I would rather just uh, forfeit. Yeah. I do quit. Do to do. Well, I mean, I quit a lot of things. I'm really good at quitting. Whenever there's a competition, I'm really good at quitting or um or just kind of forfeiting. Okay. Like I famously bombed uh, just for laughs. Really? Yeah. Famous. Okay, for anyone listening, Just for Laughs is a comedy festival uh, that I've never done. I'm o- I'm okay with it though, and uh, I'm not mad. Uh, and, and they have a thing called New Faces every year, mm-hmm. where uh, the new comics, which as it's gone on, yeah. the new faces are not. Yeah, you've new. been in the business about twelve years. Yeah, you, yeah. So you bombed New Faces. Yeah, the, I think it was just like you have to do the best, and you have to get noticed, and you have to get like, and something about it. I think just. Um, Something in my body said, no, you will not. This is shut down, shut down. And so then I just kind of shut down. I did did a pretty bad job, I would say. Pretty bad. Is that you saying you did a bad job or was it like? Others. Others. Said it to your face? (laughs) Yeah. And then you know that you know that feeling when you go out after a show and you know you did bad and you're like, maybe I didn't do bad. Maybe people will talk to me, but then nobody talks to you. And then you're like, I did do bad. (gasps) <gasps> did reviews come out no they don't do reviews they just give you jobs after <laughs> well, no because i remember sometimes like you know comedy bloggers would be like oh and at the festival i really liked this person so i didn't know if there was like a bad review well so i think that with competition some people rise to the top it's like that brown cow yogurt or the creams there uh-huh. you know uh but i find that i'm uh, I just, I really have no interest in that. Because I think that the part of competition that feels good does not feel good when you know that it's making other people feel bad. Yeah, I I really under, okay, so hmm, I say I don't like competition and I don't. Like I definitely have moments where I'm like, well, like especially when I watch people watch sports. <laughs> and first of all, especially when I'm with like, and I don't want to say, you know, I know women like sports too, but it's usually a bunch of guys and they're like, we won. But then when they lose, they're like, they lost. I'm like, okay. But <laughs> I have definitely had those feelings of like, I guess sports I can handle, but it's more like, I don't know. I, okay. When I've watched like the cheerleading competitions mm-hmm. or like a dance competition, something where it's like, they're all really talented. Cause at least in a sport, there's like, well, you got a point, you got a point. But when it's like a competition for art or like whenever I watch uh, food, like a lot of people are really into food competition shows. I'm not because I start to, I'm like, well, I don't really understand. First of all, who are you to say 
this is good or bad. Maybe I would taste it and think it's good. And also, this is someone's like life. I, it, it's it, yeah. It's yeah. I just saw Hell's Kitchen for the first time. I think it's been on for twenty two years. Yeah, but I just saw it, and it seems so hard. The hearing because at first it's like so funny when Gordon Ramsay's like, "You fucking stupid idiot," but then it's like that person's whole life is leading up to this moment, and then he's calling them like an idiot that can't make polenta. It sucks. But I but here's the thing though with reality shows that they know what they're going into. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I would never like I never did any I, I did a couple stand-up I, I did a couple stand-up festival competitions. And even though I did so I did Boston Comedy Festival like very early in my career. And I was like, I got really far. Oh, for the funniest Boston comic? Yeah. Oh, that and so hard. And I I got really far. I got like into the finals and I, I felt really good about myself. And then things in my life, just my, my self thoughts go kind of went downhill. And then the second year when I went back, I was like, well, I'm definitely going to get far again. And then I didn't. And then I was like, I'm never doing another stand-up competition again because I was like, stand-up's already competitive. Yeah. Yeah. It seems – and it seems like kind of like – strange to put a label on I don't know because I think that like maybe the feeling you'd get from I've never been awarded funniest comic in Boston but I feel like the feeling <laughs> that you get being the funniest comic in Boston might out I don't think it would outweigh the feeling because you basically are surrounded by your peers that's the whole thing is comedy is such a social art so it's like I don't know then what most of the time you're spent around your peers socializing. So then what is that? I don't know. It's it's not wired in my brain to be like, yeah, now we're going to be the best and everybody can. I don't know. It's But it's, I think that that's a necessary um, skill set for comedy. Well, I mean, it seems to be a necessary skill set for a lot of stuff because the word the best, like the word the best has always confused me. Like the best like, bubble tea in New York or something? The what? Like the best bubble tea? Oh, I mean, I I always would say whenever you walk by a pizza place, they're always voted the best. <laughs> they often never say by who. <laughs> they just say voted best pizza. And you're like, by your mom. You know, like, <laughs> who are you talking about? And like, not to get too political, but, you know, people were like, America's the best country. And I'm like, okay. Right. <laughs> you right. know, like, what is that even? I just... The best is so subjective. Well, I did do a pizza tasting. I did for for my boyfriend's birthday, like several months ago. We did try all the pizzas in the neighborhood, figure out what was the best. And you know, it was hard to say. To be honest, it was really hard to say. <laughs> but it, did you guys agree on the best? No, no. Exactly. And there, and there you go. And that could have torn – you could have thrown the pizza boxes in the air. Yeah. And, and torn yourself. I, sh- I should have. Yeah. Did you ever – so after the high school moment, you never had another moment like that again? Like another outburst, whether it was competition-related or just frustration-related? Oh, I've had several outbursts, yeah, but not competition-related. Yeah. Do you want to share any others? Um, I, I think that most of the time, like, I think at this point in my – uh, life, I don't really have outbursts anymore, but I, I just, I remember the only other outburst I had was unrelated to competition, but I was on this sketch comedy team and somehow I became the one that everyone made fun of. And I was like, so 
I just didn't understand how it happened. You know, it just when it goes out of control and you're like, oh, I'm the I'm the one they they all make fun of. How did it happen? Oh. I don't I don't know if you've had that experience because I honestly don't I don't see you as that role in a group. Oh my God. I don't, I don't see that for you. you think I am. I don't see that for you. No, I don't see that for you. So I, but it was happening. And then this one guy made fun of me. Oh, oh, this woman made fun of me in the group and she was not funny, but she like made, a, she made fun of me in a way that was not funny, but just true. You know, when people yeah. make not funny do that and it's like so heartbreaking because it's like nobody, it's not even, it's not even a joke. And so she basically she like said that I was um, she said that I uh, what did she say? Something about my looks. And uh, and it was not funny. It was just like true and mean. And then I was like so pissed about it. And I was like, I'm going to say something. The next person that makes fun of me, I'm going to say something. And this guy made fun of me. And I was like, Jared, I need to see you out in the hall. And then I, then by the time I got out in the hall with Jared, he's like, what's wrong? And I was like, nothing. And I, and I chickened out and then we went back into the, um, into the room. I, you know, what's so cute is that you're like, yeah, I had one more outburst and it was totally valid. <laughs> it's in, to stand up for yourself in a group is maybe the most humiliating thing you can do. You can uh, do one of them. Yeah. There's no way to to be have dignity doing it. Damn. I mean, yeah, and also just so you know, I have been made fun of in groups. <laughs> okay. I'm not as cool as I think you think I am. What what have you done? Did you confront the group? Oh god. I mean, I so in high school, I mean if we're going to go back to high school, so I in high school I, I wish I was a dweeb. Instead, I was just this like in the I was in the middle. I had like I had a personality because I'm human, but I would edit it for whoever I was around mm. because I wanted so badly to fit in. And I do in in reading a lot about I mean, I know it's part of adolescence, but in addition to adolescence, because I had immigrant parents that very much encouraged assimilation. Mm. kind of like, uh, you don't need to be like a leader, (laughs) you know, you don't be that unique. Uh, but, uh, so I sort of would like, you know, I, I wanted to be, I wanted to be a theater kid, Mm -hmm. but then like theater kids weren't cool. So I tried to like be cool, but the cool kids didn't want to hang out with me either. So I sort of had this group of friends, which I hope none of them are listening that I didn't, they were just them. I remember this one moment being in Filene's in, in my hometown mm-hmm. and I was shopping with one of them and she picked up this shirt and she goes, Julia, this is so you. And it was beyond not me. It was so hideous. And I, I just, it like, it's, it stayed with me for the rest of my <laughs> life where I was like, you don't fucking know me. Like, I remember that being a, a, a thing I would seek out in friends in the future. Like I would really notice when someone's like, I got you something that reminded me of you. And if it was spot on, I knew they knew me. Oh Yeah. And if they got me something that was like, why would you think I'd want a precious moment sweatshirt? I mean, actually, maybe I would because it would be like cool and vintage, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Anyways, so I had this group of friends and um, I don't know if actually maybe this isn't really standing up for yourself in the group, but it was like a Friday night and I, you know, was like, hey, what's, you know, what are we all doing? And nobody 
got back to me. And then it, I found out later they all went to the movies without me. Oh. And one of them told me, yeah, they didn't, the group didn't want to invite you because they think you're really annoying. Oh. And like, you know, when you're a girl and you're like, I was always like funny, you know, and like make, and like that when you're teenagers, I probably was annoying. I didn't know what to do with it. Uh, I, yeah. And it, Actually, I don't really know if this is really it, it, so. I didn't really have an outburst. I had like an inburst where yeah. uh, my heart broke, and I really haven't been able to trust people a lot since. So uh. it's, it's really hard. Those things stick with you when they're it's like it's your brain is still putty. Yeah, it made me very paranoid about friendships, and yeah, it's uh, I, I definitely like. Yeah, it's something that I, I take I take things very personally in friendships and, and always worry like I did something like are someone mad at me if they didn't get back to me? It's a very I think it's a very unattractive quality <laughs> because it it's basically saying I don't trust my friends that they like me. <laughs> well, does it get past that at a certain point like with people? Oh, of course. But it's definitely one of my go to anxieties is like, did I do something wrong? Am I yeah. gonna get? Am I gonna get uninvited to the party? Oh. And then is everyone gonna be at the party and talking about me? Oh, and the party sucks. I bet they went to see holes or something. I mean, it's probably a terrible. <laughs> movie. And I was, so, and then I remember my sister years later because I, you know, talked about it for twenty years. <laughs> she was like, "Did you ever consider the fact that maybe the one friend that told you was lying?" Oh, and they actually oh. didn't. And I was like, "Oh shit!" Whoa. That's I, that's a whole new level. But do you feel like your that high school story that you shared affected the rest of your life? Mm, I think that maybe it was just like um, I don't know if it did affect the rest of my life, but I think it's it's something where I I noticed that I have um, I have certain buttons, and if they're pushed, I I find that I need to do something. Yeah, are there any other buttons? Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, well, I don't think I've had like, um, like, I think that I guess right now with the pandemic, it's like, you're so far removed from people. I don't remember a whole lot of what, (laughs) what I've done before this, but I think that like, um, like, like, uh, I just took a, like a pretty cold shower and that was uh-huh. enough for me to like just kind of be like something something needs to be done and, and like that like that kind of thing where it's like I don't I wonder if other people have more um, self control with like yeah but it sounds like the things you get mad at are very reasonable okay <laughs> you know I, yeah I guess it's just I think like unnecessary competition and uh, being cold really. Um, really do get me but i i do i find that um i'm trying to have less outbursts because i find that they're really embarrassing later and like you mentioned cutting your own bangs and i think that that is like i would much rather just like do something uh like weird to my face or body than have an email uh thread going where i've definitely said something that i like confronted someone over email or something have you confronted somebody over email? No, I really try not to. I've done drafts. 
Ooh, and not sent them. Yes, that's very helpful for me. But is I, it helpful? Yeah, but I don't. I don't do. Uh, no, I would not want to do that. But I like. Uh, I don't know why. I think it's just. I think I'm. I think mostly it's not embarrassing to actually confront someone over email. If you need to do it, you need to do it. But I do find that for me, I'm always uncomfortable with the emotions that, right after they come out. Like as I was picking up the pieces of that board game, like, I wasn't proud of myself, you know. And people were like that was crazy. And then I'm like, I'm not going to be like that. Yeah. Well, it needed to happen, but I think I'm more instantly ashamed of it. Oh yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of what we were talking about goes back to shame because, you know, when I, when I was told I wasn't invited to the movies and was annoying, I felt ashamed. You know, when you have an outburst like that, you, it's, if you're filled with shame, I mean, it's, it's such a shame. I mean, shame and anxiety go so hand in hand and then competition. God, competition is just all about shame. Like you lost. Yes. That's you are a loser. It's the embarrassment of it. I think the the risk of embarrassment that outweighs the risk of, um, yeah, any pride that you would get from it. I mean, I think that's, yeah, I just, I think that, it's interesting that you met the bangs. I just keep thinking about it because every time I've cut my own bangs, it's not been a time of outburst. It's been like a, I'm going to improve my life. Oh, I mean, hey, I don't want anyone at home who has great, you look great in bangs. Well, I, I don't want anyone who's listening to think that I am indicating you only get bangs when you're in a bad spot. I hope that it's very clear and maybe I've completely ruined this podcast by naming it this but I think it's I think it's very relatable to many people the moment of ah should I just should I just get bangs like it's yes. just you just need it you just freak out and you need to change and you know uh it, I mean it's really just a the notion of talking about like breakdowns and breaking points is just a, a jump off point to get to something yeah I'm just explaining how conversation. I works. love and I love hearing that. I do that. I do think, <laughs> but like I remember, well, my cousin asked me to chaperone her for the um the John Mayer concert. It was at an outdoor amphitheater. Uh huh. And I remember I was like, outdoor concert. This is my chance to get a boyfriend. And so I trimmed my own bangs really short. When was this? This was a. Uh, I was probably 24 years old. No, I was 22 years old, 22. And because I could, I remember I could buy beer. Okay, so uh, I trimmed my bangs really short. I plucked my eyebrows all the way to the middle of the eye. I had almost nothing going on in my forehead. And I remember I put on a a T-shirt and a dress on top of it. And I had just gotten what came out as a special edition chocolate bubblicious. Okay. And I thought I was going to be the belle of the ball. (laughs) <laughs> and then I saw somebody in line for the bathroom that was uh, wearing the same dress, but no T-shirt underneath it. And she had no she had regular bangs. And I thought, oh, I, I've done this wrong. But it didn't feel like, it felt like more of a preparation, more of like a getting ready for something exciting to happen. Yeah, but it was still but but it was your, sudden. it was sudden movements. But your motivation was a desire for change, true. which, you know, which is the breakthrough portion of the description of this podcast, <laughs> which is in, I mean, it sounds like you thought, Hey, if I trim these bangs, mm-hmm. someday my prince will come. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Big Did cat. you associate shorter bangs with, like, being cuter? I think at the time it seemed like a really cool move. And yeah. It couldn't go wrong. And I, I thought that there had to be some combination of ha- hair and face that made it look good. Yeah. And I hadn't tried that yet. So I thought, well, well this must be the right combination. Yeah. <laughs> did you end up meet? did you, were you in a play? Did you meet anyone? No, absolutely not. No, no one. <laughs> and I was in the bathroom for waiting for the world to change. <laughs> but you changed your world by cutting your hair. Uh, but can you imagine being in the bathroom for the only hit of the year? Huh. Oh, God. You know, I mean, to talk about wanting to get a boyfriend and competition, I don't know if you've ever watched the Bachelor franchise. Sure. I mean, I've been watching it since it aired, since it debuted. It's it's my, you know, what do they call guilty pleasure? Mm-hmm. I know it's all fake to a certain degree. But talk about the most bizarre thing to turn into a competition. Love? Sounds so hard. It sounds so hard. I can't even imagine that kind of thing is that's that's a nightmare situation for me. If there was ever a guy and I was like he's choosing between me and another girl, I'd be like, you can have you can yeah I'll, I'll, go back, I'll go back home. Yeah. Definitely. I've, I've been single. I'll just stay this way. <laughs> I know I'm unlovable. Like that would have been my my train of thought as a young gal. Um, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe I mean I know it's like they have to because it's television, but it just seems so such a hard situation to be in. Oh yeah. No, thank you. No. That I would I know I'd give I'd give a BJ way too fast. I mean it wouldn't even be yeah. you know wouldn't it <laughs> at the first at the first rose ceremony. Yeah, or? he'd be like, Your mouth is cold. Why? I'd be like, Oh, I was just eating some ice cream and it, it would just be terrible. I would love to see you on The Bachelor just giving blowjobs. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be giving blowjobs left and right. I'd say, oh, did yeah. you have McFlurry? i say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, when they're like, you know, and all those shows are always like, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to win. I would be like, I'm so here to make friends. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're here in this house. I want to be friends with all of Like, I, I wouldn't even know. That's like a, that's why I love I kind of like Love Island a little better because they do make friends with each other and they're supportive of each other the British one and also Great British uh, Baking Show. Oh, because that's not competitive. Well, it's, yeah, it is competitive, but they're supportive. They're going to help each other take things out of the freezer, you know. Yeah. So you like a competition if it's if it's friendly competition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do love. Like whenever I'm at a dinner party and someone's like, hey, do you guys want to play? Is it celebrity? Right? Where you put all the names uh-huh. in the bowl. I'm always like, oh, yeah, I guess. And then I get like with celebrity and um, in like any kind of like Pictionary or win, lose or draw, uh-huh. I get crazy competitive. <laughs> because in that situation, you've, how can your, your feelings can't get hurt that you didn't do a good impression of Cher? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I see what you mean. I I respect that. I still, I find myself not really wanting to win. I do, you know what I find is maybe one of the worst ones. Even though I've played it, I've enjoyed myself, you know? Quiplash. Oh, 
What is that one again? It's, it's the competitively make jokes. You write jokes and then vote on who's the funniest joke. Is it a board game? No, it's a it's it's a um computer phone game. Oh, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> oh. Wait. No, I did it. So actually I'm lying because I did play it cuz uh I think Two comedians, Sean O'Connor and Julian McCullough, mm-hmm. were hosting a show online. And again, I was like, oh, yeah, gone. Sure. And then I get like, so I'm, I'm actually lying when I say I don't like competition. When I feel like I'm about to win, then I love it. Okay. So I think it's, it's, it's bad when you're losing, but it's, I think it's worse when you're winning. I think. But, and like, why? but my boyfriend's the opposite. Like we were playing together and like, he, People like we obviously were on the screen together, and every time, like, if I would win, he'd be like, That was really good, way to go. I'm so glad you won that. I'm like, Shut the fuck up, that's not good. You can't say that. Like, it's not like people feel like shit right now. And then, like, uh, he's like, Whenever he would win something, he'd be like, Nice, yeah, that was me. And I'm like, What are you doing? What is that? that's crazy behavior? But I think that's normal. I have. Have you and I talked about being empaths before? Yes, but I don't think I am one. And I okay, but I I know a lot of people who are. But do you think you're very sensitive? Because there's like I also did the test for a highly sensitive person, and I'm not that either. Really, I don't care. You know, isn't that something? <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me, but I have a different label. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> you consider yourself anxious? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And what do you do for your anxiety? Because, you know, in talking about competition and for anyone listening, like, sometimes you can't avoid it. And so what do you do? What do you do to deal with the anxiety in general of, of competition or just life? Uh, I think the only thing that they people say, oh, you got to exercise. But I don't really, really, I don't really love exercise. Um, but I think that what I'm really into is... um. Uh, weed, weed. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, I really like, uh, these like, uh, ashwagandha. Uh, is that mushroom that you could take? Oh, are you microdosing? No, it's not a, it's not a hallucinogenic one. It's like, oh, oh, wait. Yes. Yeah. It's like a pill, right? Yeah. You can take it as a pill. Yeah. And those are like sold in health food stores, right? Uh-huh. Ashwagandha. Yeah. Okay. And then how do you ingest your weed? Eating it. I eat it and go to bed. But I do find that it's just, um, you know, then you don't wake up thinking, oh, God, what's everything, you know, you don't have the bad dreams. You kind of sleep through the night, I find. But I think that that is one way uh, to, I think when I have anxiety, I, which is a lot, uh, all the time, I, I just, um, I, uh, try to either the I think the main things that I can do are just um take a walk or and take a walk for a long time like an hour or so and if I don't have time to do that I found that uh the the only other things that really help are reading something that's unrelated to what's going on or uh smoking a cigarette oh joe I did not supposed to do that. And you don't do that. You're not supposed to do that. And I don't, if your baby's listening, I do not want to. <laughs> and do you, do you take meds? No, I tried and they, I really did not agree with it. That's totally, I mean, I, so I, I take Zoloft and then I also use weed. 
I don't know how you take a dump with Zoloft, but it beats me. You know, I how I take a dump? Really? Yeah, big time. I had I I'm sorry for I know a lot of people have terrible side effects. Zero. <laughs> Zero. I mean, I don't know, maybe I was going to say maybe I go to the bathroom too much, but I think that was before I ever took the Zoloft. But I – so I didn't use weed when I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then when that was over and I could have it back in my life, especially during this pandemic where every day is the same day. (laughs) Yeah. Like the pandemic makes every day the same day. I live in California, so it's always the same weather. And then having a baby can be very monotonous. And so what I have really enjoyed with weed is when I start to get this anxiety of like (gasps) – is this, is it Wednesday? Nothing new. It's been the same day for a year, you know, like that kind of anxiety. I'll have a, like I'll smoke a little weed or I'll have an edible and it, it like takes me to another, it changes the day. Oh yeah. And that's been really nice. Do you journal? I think journaling also helps quite a bit. Oh, with anxiety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I used to journal more. Um, and I, I'm trying to do it again. I have all of my journals since middle school. Whoa. That, that sounds really bad. It's, and I, and so I think someone, someone told me that they burned all their journals, get rid of them. Yeah. But I found them really interesting to go back to see how many of the same, you know, for example, like the me feeling left out of the movies. Oh. Is happens a lot in my life or my perceived notion of being left out of the movies. So I don't know, maybe it is time to burn them. No, I did. I mean, that is something to think about. I remember a therapist told me once that everybody just has the same problem over and over again, whatever it is, it depends on the person, but they just have the same problem for their whole life. Yeah. And that makes sense. That, that really, uh, that was, that was hard to hear, but I think it's true. I mean, yeah, I think that I think that journaling for me is the same thing as like writing a draft of an email. It's like getting it out on paper and kind of seeing whatever it is that's bothering you and it something about it having getting it out without having to tell somebody. It's just kind of yeah, I don't know, it feels uh feels like you're more in control. Oh yeah. And it's also you know, I I think that we've not to go back to social media, but the the notion of doing things for yourself and keeping it to yourself. And not that there's anything wrong with sharing whatever you're comfortable with, but it's gotten lost. And like when you're talking about competition, I feel like the overshare that has happened. I mean, I realize we're on a podcast, so fuck me. <laughs> but but I mean, like uh you know, whatever you write in your journal, if you were to share that, it's sometimes cool, I guess, but like it, it, then the likes on it are getting competitive. So now I don't know. That's, that's the part that fucks with me too, is like, you know, feeling left out (laughs) of the movies (laughs) that happens all the time online and then hating the competitive aspect of it. I don't know. I feel like it's the kind of thing where it's like, I hate to bring up this thing again, but it's just like, it seems like the less time you spend, I don't know, like, like, for example, I think that something a lot of comedians have to do is they have to hype up their work a lot. So they have to promote like hell. 
Mm-hmm. And I think it bothers a lot of people to see like yeah. someone saying, oh, look what I did, look what I did, look what I did. But if you talk to them, if you're like, hey, you did that thing, usually they're like pretty rational about it. They're not like, I did the thing, I did the thing, I did the thing. They're like, yeah, I'm trying to get word out there. I'm trying, I hope it takes off. I want to do more of it. This will help. And they're a normal human being, but something about the internet kind of makes it seem like they're not. And I think that's kind of the ugly side of the competition because it it really, if you think about it, it's just a bunch of people kind of relating to each other. But I think when you get numbers involved, it does seem like it's a competition when really it's yeah. people are really just trying to do their best and like. And share information. Yeah. That's really what it was meant for. But adding the numbers to it turned it into a competition. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we've established very strongly on this episode that neither of us, unless we're, well, unless I'm winning, <laughs> I hate competition. And unless you're losing, right? Wait, then you like it if you're not winning. Yeah. I think it's, I think I'm more comfortable. I, I'm, I think I'm more used to the losing, more comfortable in that space. That makes sense. But it's not, it's not good. It's, it doesn't get you anywhere fast. I'll say that. Well, it's a good thing is, is during the pandemic, we got nothing but time. That's true. That is really true. And I, you know, I'm, it's not like I'm racing anybody to finish this gynecologist murder mystery. You know, I'm just really trying to learn for myself who's, who's he's going to kill next. I'm so glad I had you on because you are an example of someone with really great bangs. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. It's a new new development for me, but I think I'm sticking with them. I love it. Thank you. Are you going to get them? I I ask every guest if you think I should. I've had them before. So do you think I should get bangs? What do they look like? When I had them? Yeah. Well, I don't want to sway. Sway. Sway me. But uh, they... Well, I don't know. My hair changed. I used to have much curlier, wavy hair. Mm-hmm. And then my hair got straight after I had a child. Whoa. Yeah. Sometimes your hair texture changes. I don't know if it's going to go back. But when I had curlier, wavier hair, the bangs were very hard to maintain. Because it wasn't – Joe has very cur- – like you have all around cur- – I, I couldn't do the curly bangs. I kind of had like weird, wavy, messy – angry bangs. (laughs) So maybe, maybe if you have straight hair now, maybe it's the perfect time to get bangs. I mean, maybe it's the perfect time because your hair is finally, you know, you know what it's going to do. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, maybe this might be the first time I get bangs when I'm in a good place. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is when you think about what you're buying and what you're surrounding yourself with, you're going to associate those things with pandemic. So I think you got to be really careful what changes you make. Yeah, I agree. Is, is, have you done any, like, you know, you used to have like really short hair, right? Yeah. (laughs) Was that an impulsive change? Sure it was. Yeah, I really thought that was going to be the thing that really made me and broke me. But it didn't. And that's the thing. Every time I'm switching up, I used to have red hair. And then somebody was like, oh, you know what we call you? We call you the Ronald McDonald girl. And then I stopped dyeing my hair red so much. But I think that you got, you know, for a while, my whole 20s was trying to figure out what's, what do I do with with, with this head? And you figured it out. 
you know, for now, I think we're gonna we're gonna probably make some changes, you know, anytime soon, but not in the not in the I I've had some friends that cut their own hair in this time and the back looks very different from the front. Yeah. So you so you you're pretty good about making these big changes when you're in a good place. I'll make them in a bad place too, but I, I think that cutting my I think cutting my own hair might it might be it's not in the cards right now. Got it. Yeah. Joe, thank you so much. Do you want to share any anything of I don't think so, but thank you so much for having me. This is great. <laughs> thank you. Bye, Joe. Oh, goodbye. For today's little wisdom, uh, end of the episode wisdom, uh, I'm just going to redirect everybody to Tara Brock because she knows a lot more about how to feel good and do that kind of shit than I do. Uh, That is the woman who wrote the book that Joe and I were talking about, Radical Acceptance. She has a phenomenal podcast. Uh, I think it's just Tara Brock podcast, if I'm not mistaken, where it's uh, different lectures and also guided meditations. I highly recommend it. She is absolutely who helped me uh, tremendously get into a meditation habit. And uh, you can find out all that information on tarabrock.com, T-A-R-A-B-R-A-C-H. She is not affiliated with my podcast at all. She is not paying me to say this. I just love her. And I am also... uh, dropping her name because I hope that she will someday come on my podcast. So if Tara is listening or if anyone listening knows her or if anyone wants to, you know, tweet at her, don't harass her, but like, let's get her on the pod. I think it would be really cool. Anyways, check her out. And as always, if you enjoy this show, please give it a nice rating and review on iTunes or whatever app you're listening to it on. And thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you next week. 